And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hear that podcast growling, made and angry. Hear that co-host shouting, it's Dander and Jay. Today's episode of Hear That Podcast Ground is presented by Visa Network. Working for everyone, Paul Inner Jr. and Jay Morrison of The Athletic here working for you. Jay, how we doing? Doing great. We made it. The first ever week 18 mm. for us, for anybody. A lot of big questions this week, but none bigger than will Great Lakes Brewery still have Christmas ale on tap? <laughs> that is an important one that is an important one we uh what to wait to we'll all wait to find out you know here's the thing though they'll have other beers on tap true and they'll probably have christmas i actually ale. never had a christmas ale during christmas season which is a rarity for me this year um so it would be my one last chance at a saving grace uh, cause normally, normally the Cleveland thing happens and I'm like, I'm, I do, it's, I'm almost done. I'm like, I can't do the Christmas sale anymore. Like that was, that was enough, but there were so many other good ones. Mm. 50 West had, had Christmas cookie going on. Taft's Santa's bribe is really good. Uh, had the, got the OU, oh yeah, beer, the hot nut. I got, got my hands on some. It's very good. Uh, so I had all these, all these different ones were out there. It was, uh was a bit of a cornucopia of Christmas beers this year, so I felt like taken care of in that regard. So we, we'll find out what happens when we get when we get up to Cleveland. Um, a lot to get to today. Um, thank everybody that listened to the came into the live room yesterday. Questions from Sweden and Hawaii. Amazing. I want Natasha in Hawaii to be a regular, just so we can get Hawaii weather updates every week. I'm loving that idea. I and like she has good questions. Yes. I mean, she she. she Big Bengal fan, and she has good questions. And yes, I, th- I think we should make her a regular. I want her, but I do want her to kind of be on like the beach. Like I want to hear the yes. ocean in the background. And is that asking too much to leave your house just to come ask a question in a live room at our whim at like six in the morning out there, whatever time it is? Depends where she uh, lives. Maybe she lives on the beach. She just has to walk out onto her balcony. That's what I need. That's what I need. So if you're listening, Natasha, next time on the beach. Uh, we, we, we've got, Jay, you have your final thoughts up with a ton of insight of everything that is going on, not just this week, but that happened yesterday, talking to players from Monday, just a million thoughts in there. So make sure you go and check that out. I have sort of an inside look at the celebration, what happened in the days and moments after the Bengals beat the Chiefs from uh, there being a whole lot of smoke in the locker room to <laughs> Zach Taylor breaking laws to get to his kid's basketball game and uh, the reaction of the other parents when he rolled in there and uh you know a big overtime win for Brooks uh and his AAU team so uh, a lot of uh a lot of inside sort of what happened after the the Bengals sort of monumental victory 
Um, and we were going to talk playoff scenarios. We we're going to talk about what should happen with Joe Burrow regarding rest. We're going to talk a little bit about the turn this offense has made the last two weeks and what to make of Luana Rumo's defense and where they're at heading into the playoffs. Um, our good friend Mo Egger is going to be here to talk about his tweets and I believe what could be a game-changing idea in American culture. That's right. I'm going that big with it. We have some growler bet recap, run pass or boot, all of that coming your way on today's episode. Let's dive in, Jay. News-wise, um, not a ton of like big news as far as you know stuff going on, but Quentin Spain uh, won't play this weekend, probably like a many. It's an ankle sprain, but probably not as bad as they thought it would be. Yeah, it looked really bad when it happened. You you thought it was a knee, the, the way that Burrow kind of rolled into him. And it. I, I think as soon as they announced ankle, it, it seemed like better news. And then Zach came out um, Monday and said it was a sprain. And now sometimes sprains can be worse than breaks and, and they can linger. But he, he seemed optimistic that the Cleveland game was the only one he would miss. So um, surprisingly, Jackson Carmen, as far as the PFF grade, played pretty well in in Spain's stead. But that that's still if 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 Spain can't go for the playoffs, and we kind of talked about this on the live room, it's it creates a it creates a dilemma because do, do you throw Jackson Carmen in there as a rookie in a playoff game? Do you go Xavier Suafilo, pull him off of IR finally? Fortunately, it looks like they're not going to have to make that decision, but we'll we'll st- still see how it goes with Spain over the next couple weeks. Yeah, I don't know. I still, I you know, Riley Reef was just was optimistic with an ankle sprain yeah. too, and he's out for you know the season. So uh, I, I I still wait and see on that that kind of stuff. I don't I don't know how much we can really know for sure off of those early diagnoses. Um, so uh, Evan McPherson, you know, we mentioned people asked about it. Uh, he. It, Burrow mentioned he was going through some stuff and happy that he made that. We talked to Evan yesterday who didn't want to get into the details but said it's nothing serious, um, something he's going to get fixed and we'll be fine. He'd be fine to kick, and there seems to be no issue going on there. But whatever it was was something um, something he says is minor, but uh, there was really – he didn't want to get into specifics. Zach Taylor mentioned – he said – Maybe tightness, if anything, but he hadn't really heard. It's not like he hadn't really even heard much of there being an issue with Evan. I mean, it was noticeable that he's he was in the top 10 in touchbacks this year on kickoffs, and he only had one touchback. Now, he did put a second one in two yards deep in the end zone. It got run out, but he he did not have the length on his kickoffs, and it, it almost cost him. I mean, the, the one that he only got to the 11 got returned 89 yards for a touchdown. The Chiefs... Byron Pringle, third in the league in kick returns, you would think, let's not give that guy an opportunity. And it it was almost as if they weren't trying to give him an opportunity. Just McPherson couldn't get the ball deep enough. And fortunately, they got the flag um, and that kickoff return for a touchdown right before halftime was overturned. And that, that would have been a game changer. But yeah, you just I, I think the fact that Burrow even mentioned it um, unprovoked on the postgame show kind of leads you to believe that yes it is something minor if it was if it was more serious i think he would have kept it to himself yeah so i mean mcpherson says it's no big deal so for now we have to kind of take him at his word we'll see if he shows up on an injury report with anything uh this week specifically but you know we'll we'll, we'll let's see that play outside of that not a ton of specific news the news revolves around okay well what's at play now uh 
you had the Steelers in Ben's potentially final home game, likely final home game, uh, beating the Browns last night. It doesn't look like Baker's going to play. If you read Zach Jackson's story up from the game last night, he said after the game, after being sacked what, nine times? Did it end up yes. Nine? At, at one point, he had 11 completions and nine sacks. Yeah. I mean, remember when we used to joke that Ryan Finley's offensive line blocked like they hated his guts. <laughs> yeah. Like that's what that reminded me. Like, does yep. this? Did everyone just hate Baker? Is that what's happening? Because they just now that the playoffs are off the line, let's get this guy hit more. Uh, but anyway, you get Cleveland probably not going to play Baker. A lot of dudes are going to be checked out there in Cleveland this week. Uh, Pittsburgh's still alive in the playoffs. But the scenarios are, I mean, the Bengals could be anywhere from 1-4. They're all still technically in play. You know, likelihood sits, sits in this 3-4 or four spot, um, depending on what their result is against Cleveland. But, you know, there's also a lot of movement of everything can change with the wild card spots, who's 5-6-7 left out. None of it is set in stone. That makes it really kind of a muddled area. But, you know, you went through all of those in final thoughts. Can you just give us a quick synopsis on where the Bengals could land and, like, kind of likely opponents? Yeah, the if they lose to the Browns, then the best they can get is third. Most likely it would be fourth. You need some crazy upsets like the Jets to beat the Bills to even think about a third number three seed. So that's where that lands. If they beat the Browns, they can be, as you said, anywhere from one to four. Although a Chiefs win on Saturday, that that knocks out the number one seed. So there's basically you're you're rooting for the Bills to win the A the NFC. I'm sorry, the AFC East. The, the, the Bengals would would be in a better situation in a four way tiebreaker. They would win among Chiefs, Titans, Bills, and Bengals. If the Patriots sneak in there, the Patriots would have the tiebreaker in that four way scenario. And you get into two way scenarios. The only one that you, you you're going to beat is the Chiefs. You got the head to head on them. So most likely. The two is an outside shot, but you're really looking at three or four. And if it's three or four, then if it's four, it's probably Patriots. That's that's the most likely scenario is the hoodie comes to Cincinnati for wild card weekend. If it's three, then you, who knows? There, there's so many things still at play at the bottom end of that. And a lot comes down to what happens with the the Chargers and Raiders. It could be any number of opponents if they do get into the three. But it feels right now, if you're if you're betting on what that weekend opening weekend playoff match is going to be like, it feels like Patriots at Bengals is going to be the one. The thing that I saw, and this is an aside, because I just it's, it sounds amazing, and I could not be more excited for the possibility. I don't know if you saw this. I know where you're going with this. If the Jags, oh, win. The Chargers and the Raiders game, they both would be in with a tie. Yep. And Go to overtime and they just both start taking knees. They should just show up <laughs> on the primetime spot on Sunday night football and take knees for three hours. <laughs> this would be the most incredible thing in the history of primetime television. I cannot tell you. Like if if the Raiders they just get together and say, "Look, we're both going to get in. This all we want is to be in the playoffs, right?" Like yep. the coaches get together pregame, "Do you want to get in the playoffs? 
I want to get in the playoffs. Why don't we just decide we're going to get in the playoffs together here rather than one of us get eliminated? Who wouldn't take that deal, right? But are you worried that the other team is going to renege? Are we going to turn this like a survivor prisoner's (laughs) dilemma, right? Are you worried at the last second, you know, the Raiders or Justin Herbert's going to be like, screw it, fake knee, drop back, throw the pass or something like that. (laughs) I, I am just blown away by the idea of both teams needing the tie to get in or getting in with the tie and deciding. It goes back to the, the Bengals-Dolphins game, the legendary game from two years ago where the Bengals wanted to lose. The Dolphins probably should have been losing. They ended up in overtime. Said the best thing the Dolphins should have done when they drove down was gone all the way down there, lined up for the game-winning kick at the last seconds of overtime, and let the time run off, then snap it and kick the field goal to show that, A, they could have won, should have won, <laughs> but chose but not to do so. <laughs> I would just live for that scenario. But I just I had to go down that aside because I love I just love the idea of both teams taking knees on the primetime game for three hours. There is a chance that it could come I mean, th- not that they would do that, but it could come to that. The Colts have a history of losing in Jacksonville. I think I saw somewhere where it was like five of the last six years they have lost in Jacksonville. So don't rule it out. And and Basachi's not keeping his job and Brandon Staley's not gonna get fired. So Maybe they maybe we could see a knee off. A knee off. <laughs> I love it. But so so the idea of the hoodie, I mean, look, it does. It does come down to Miami and New England and and you know, if if New England if New England were to win that game, they're gonna be the 5 seed. That's the that's the thing. And so you're you're ending up mm-hmm. if you win, you avoid the hoodie. You know, what is that? What is any of this worth? You know, what is the difference in any of it? And I think, you know, we talked a little bit about this yesterday, but what you want to look at is, look, it doesn't matter. Do you want to, do you want to face New England or do you want to face a Chargers team that's already beat you? Or do you want to, there's, there's pros, there's just pros and cons to all of them. They're all about a whatever it's not like there's some matchup you really want to avoid. The only thing that would really change the game would be if you could end up in that one seed. And just the, the lack of any real direct route to that, the, the, the just tiny likelihood of it kind of almost says, because Zach Taylor said yesterday when asked about it, I don't know that it's something you want to be waiting and making final calls on Saturday. You know what that reminds me of? Bengals fans that go back would remember. In 09, when nobody knew all week <laughs> going into that last game, like what is going to happen? Was it in their 09, 37 and nothing yes. Jets? Yep. And nobody knew all week if they were playing or not playing. There was like, and also the last, and just, everybody just showed up and just didn't know what to do. And afterwards was like, yeah, this was just too weird. <laughs> and that was fine. But you want to just have a plan and kind of execute it. And if your plan is to sit down Joe Burrow, and I feel like judging by the comments and kind of what you, when you look at the situation, kind of what we're kind of getting the feeling on, I I don't think Burrow plays. No, I don't either. It, it Especially now that, you know, Baker's not going to play, it doesn't look like, and that you saw what Brandon Allen did last year. And maybe it's not a bad idea to get him some reps in case 
you know, you need him at some point in the postseason. That's not what anybody wants to hear, but I think you have faith in, in Brandon Allen. It's not like they're going to sit the entire starting offense. I just don't see that happening, but you, you have faith in Brandon Allen and Burrow could use the rest. And it, it, as you said, you, you don't want to sit around and wait until Saturday to make that decision. And you just, you have to assume it would be so crazy for maybe not for the chiefs to lose in Denver because it's a road game and, and Denver always plays the chiefs pretty tough, but then you, you would also need the Titans to lose at Houston. I mean, what are the chances of that? So you, you have to beat the chargers. I know, but that, that this is different. This is a division game. Titans have the number one seed on the line. Um, they're playing pretty well right now. I just, and the fact that it's two game, you need two kind of crazy upsets to even keep you in the picture there. It just makes more sense to kind of put the plan down that you're going to go with Brandon Allen. You're going to arrest Joe Burrow. And if it comes that you need, that you do have a chance to get the one seed, I think you feel pretty comfortable with Brandon Allen in there. I mean, not as much as you would with Joe Burrow, but Brandon Allen showed last year he can win games and this team is better than last year's team was. Brandon Allen, Samaj P. Ryan have won you a game before. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. And, and honestly, what the level of intensity of Bengals Browns from the Browns side will be about the same level as what you were getting from the Houston side last year, too, when uh, Brandon Allen and Samaj P. Ryan won you a game late in the season. And I, I think that's really where it starts. Give Joe Mixon, who's taken a million carries this year, Joe Burrow. Get you know a a couple of guys that you've had that have really been fighting Hendrickson with his back. Mm. Get, give a few of these guys an extra week off. It, and again, it's not everybody. It's it's an inactive list. It's an inactive list worth, right? Yeah, because people have to play at some point, and you do want to keep most guys still going. There's nothing you just. Number nine has been through so much mm. to get through this damn thing that I think. You, I think the focus now should just be on healthy, healthy Joe Burrow for the playoffs, first and foremost, and and I think that's where it lands. All right, let's take a second and switch gears here and hear from a sponsor. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven U.S. based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. What we've seen over the last two weeks has been obvious. It has been the Bengals picking their path offensively. 
which we talked a lot about last week. What is your path to beat the Chiefs? How are you going to do it? This team has so many different ways to win, right? Like they can beat you this way with mixing on the ground and conservative and don't turn it over. Or they can open it up and have Burrow dice it up. Well, they have they have uh, chosen, right? They, they have chosen their competitor. They are choosing, we will fight with Joe Burrow. And we will air it out. And we will be pass heavy on early downs, early and often. And that's, you know, I I think that's where they always wanted it to end up this year. But you had to get through the year. Mm. You, you had to get through 17 games with a guy who didn't know where his knee was when he took the first snap against Minnesota. And as the year went on, you were still dealing with his mobility trying to really truly get that pocket presence back and i think you know you look at what happened against san francisco in the fourth quarter and in overtime and burrow talked about it afterwards i really felt like i had my pocket presence back and we've seen the way he has used his legs to create extra first downs and work the pocket more it was the old joe burrow and he talked about that it seems when you look at the last two weeks and the way they've approached these games and what has happened offensively, that they have they have turned it over to what everybody has kind of wanted it to end up at from the very beginning. Let Joe Burrow Cook release the Kraken is is here. And I think that's who they're gonna be going into the playoffs and say, We dare you to stop it. This is what wins championships. And uh it, I think I think they've at least in front of our eyes, made that choice, it looks like. Yeah, and I think I think Zach gets some credit for that. I know a lot of fans might have wanted to see it sooner, but I think that's one of his strengths is he he is not a my way or the highway type of coach. He he is willing to adjust and he is willing to to you know maybe pivot on a plan and that that San Francisco game opened some eyes. The way he just took over in the fourth quarter, and and he admitted that he lost sleep over taking the ball out of Joe's hands and getting conservative once they got down to the edge of the red zone, and he learned from it. And that's what you want from a coach. You 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 don't want them just to say this is how we're going to do it, and this it, I, I have faith in my plan. He he learned from that moment, and they haven't lost since. And I it. it makes all the sense in the world that's what today's football is and you've got one of the best why not ride him why not now the last two weeks uh the Bengals are averaging 4.2 points per drive which (laughs) is a stupid number if you know those stats I mean if you're like if you're at three you're probably leading the league Mm -hmm. um they're over four and you know, Burrow, we all know the numbers now, 971 yards, eight touchdowns, no interceptions. Get back to that. You know, what did we talk about? The, the biggest reason they were playing more conservative and taking the ball out of Burrow's hands more often was to avoid their toxic trait. They kept killing themselves, kept turning it over, and the passing game was creating a lot of those turnovers. He had 14 interceptions. They weren't all his fault. Bad things were, were happening, but bad things were happening. Now, you know, if you end up playing, you know, the type of quarterback that Aaron Rodgers plays, where he almost never throws interceptions, you can always let the ball stay in his hands. And Burrow's proving himself to be that. The way he's taking care of the ball has been as much a part of why they've been able to put the ball in his hands more as 
any amount of yards that he's thrown for. You know, we talk about 971. I'll talk about zero. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's one of the craziest parts of that. We can we can talk all we want to about 11.4 yards per attempt, which is stupid. Uh, I'll talk about zero. And I think that is as much about this is about as anything and why I think the trust has fully gone into if we're going down, we're going down with this guy. Yeah, he's he's now no longer close to that NFL lead in interceptions. Four straight games without one ties his career high. Um, even the the hits he has had some fumbles. I think it was the the Raiders game. He had a sack fumble. The Chargers game. He had a sack fumble and. and He's still taking the sacks, but even his even his ball security in those situations has gotten better. And it it just, I mean, it just makes all the sense in the world that you just because you you put it in Burrow's hands doesn't mean that you're going to give up on Joe Mixon completely. I mean, we saw that they the first drive against Kansas City they came out throw 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 it doesn't work first down of the second play they hand it to Mixon and he ripped it off for twelve or thirteen Mixon. They, they, all that talk that they have about the damble break, the damble break, that's not always the case. Sometimes when you're throwing the ball and then you you do that change of pace with Joe Mixon, he can hit a defense for some gashes. So it, it just feels like the better plan to, to pass first, run second, knowing that you can do either well and let Joe Burrow, who has emerged as that guy that they expected with the number one overall pick, let him carry this team as far as it can go in the playoffs. And they're an offensive line away. You know, it was the thought was, look, God, could you imagine this team with a real line? Yeah. Well, you can. They were the opponent on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really, if if you put if you switched lines between the Chiefs and the Bengals, what's the difference between Mahomes and Burrow and you know what I mean I mean the Bengals are more dynamic and it's just good offensively as the Chiefs the problem is Burrow is forced to run for his life back there 51 sacks it's not just sacks it's pressures it's how many times he has to spin out of something that's breaking open to try to get four yards when if it was the pocket was clean he would have gotten 42 you know Jay I know you've got before we started, I tried to pronounce this five times and got it wrong every time. So I'm going to get it right. <laughs> Jay's got sad sack stats. There it is. I do, and I, I should have asked you about this earlier, but maybe maybe you can do it later. I, you, we need to go back to your scale. What was your scale again on ranking the sacks? It was like, oh yeah, ouch, sure. and oh yeah, and got gosh damn. Yeah, yeah. No, it's G A H D A M M M M M. It's like, goddamn. <laughs> the funny thing, there has not been a lot of those this year. As, as, yeah. as high as this total is, it it seems like it's more just kind of the pocket collapses in and he goes down in a crumple with a couple bodies around him. It hasn't been that that blindside shot or that one where he's rolling out of the pocket and and just gets crushed. Um but yes, the the sack he's taken fifty one sacks this year. That leads the league by a long shot. He's also had a sack. He's been sacked in thirteen straight games, and I was curious if maybe that was a record, a Bengals record, an NFL record. Um, nowhere close. 
You care to guess what the record is for most consecutive games taking a sack? Franchise or NFL? Uh, NFL. Jeez. I, I, I don't have any. I mean, the way you're talking makes me think <laughs> it's a lot. I have, I don't even know where I would start with that. 32? Uh, 55. Oh, my God. Who was the poor sap? Neil Lomax from 84 to 88. Oh now, my God. Can we get Neil Lomax? Can I get an oral <laughs> history of all 55 Neil Lomax games, please? Can we, uh, we need to contact, uh, let's see, we're going to get Doug Haller on that in Arizona, please. <laughs> I, I, you were really close, though, for the, the Bengals record is 31. It was Ken Anderson from 77 to 80. John Kitna had 31 in a row, too, but that was, it started with the Bengals and then he moved on. Um, his, his, went from 05 to 07. Um, Burrow is, it's the fifth longest streak in Bengals history. Um, his 13 right now. And the, the crazy thing is the only game this year, he doesn't, he did not get sacked was at Pittsburgh and they snapped the Steelers streak of consecutive games with a snap sack. So, that, <laughs> I mean, that just, it really makes no sense, but that that's it. I mean, he, he's had three games in his Bengals career where he did not get sacked. It was Tennessee last year. It was that Pittsburgh game this year and the one that might surprise everybody because of how it ended, the Washington game last year. You know, he got that throw off. That was not a sack when he tore his knee and he mm-hmm. didn't get sacked in any other game that year. But um, I, I looked it up to see where his sack total for the first 26 games of his career, where that ranks. And this might, this number might give some PSTD to some Bengals fans because he has 83 sacks in his first 26 games. That is one more than one David Klingler. No, oh my. Now, Burroughs had 1,007 dropbacks. Klingler had 753. But still, you, the Klingler's kind of the poster boy for a, a, great quarterback ruined by a bad line with all the hits and Burrow's taken one more sack than Klingler did in, in his first 26 games that 83 however is nowhere near the NFL record and this it's a little skewed but Randall Cunningham got sacked 110 times in his first 26 games but that's because he was a running court he only had 557 dropbacks they they counted rushes for no for a loss of yardage as sacks back then the the true record holder and maybe he plays into this too jake Plummer was a running quarterback he had 101 so still burrow way way behind those guys but still 83 sacks in his first 26 games is a lot of punishment and he's still playing as great as he is you know imagine what it could be if you had a real line here's Mm -hmm. this i'll just drop into some pff uh splits this year he has been pressured on 33.3 percent of all dropbacks um a total of 395 clean dropbacks 197 under pressure dropbacks his grade when kept clean is 95.9 his grade under pressure 63.4 i mean that's not you know, a secret that quarterbacks play better when kept clean, but 95.9 when kept clean. It's not 
and and he makes you know he has a ton of big time throws when he's under pressure, and, and, and that's part of his magic mm. is his ability to keep you out of that. But flip that from thirty three percent to twenty three percent, give him ten percent more snaps over the course of a season, an extra hundred plays or not hundred plays. I guess it would be less when you think of throws. You know, an extra. 50, 30, whatever plays over the course of a season that go from 68 grade to 95 grade, which is just from competent pass protection. And imagine how different things even look for his total numbers and how dynamic the offense can be. I mean, for every 10 to 15 clean dropbacks, that's how many times that Chase or T or Tyler Boyd are able to run those longer developing routes, are able to shake coverage, and we've seen what's happened there. You know, it's scary. That's why when people talk about the window opening and the sustainability, it is there. this team should be able to fix this offensive line this offseason. It's the last box remaining on the offense. There's no reason they shouldn't be able to do it. And if they can do that, um, you change those percentages, and boy, it's it's really scary, and it looks a lot like what the Chiefs have been able to do, and that's the great thing because what the Chiefs have been able to do is just go to Super Bowls because their offense has just been that dynamic. That's how good Joe Burrow has been despite all the pressure and sacks and everything else that's been going on. All right, let's just take a quick break. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. One more shift gears before we get to Mo. Uh, I do. We do want to talk about the defense and Lou Anarumo, mm. who we talked to on Monday. Jay, we mentioned this the other day. I mean, three points allowed in the second half. They're granted only on a few possessions, um, thanks to the way that they handled uh, that last six minutes. But you know, three points allowed in the second half after giving up twenty-eight. An incredible turnaround. 
People scream about coordinators that don't make adjustments all the time, and the adjustments made a difference here. And you got to credit Lou Anarumo in this defense for not just making adjustments in game plan, but really making some big plays and big calls in critical moments. Yeah, and and the the play, the play before halftime, I, I, we're going to focus right now on that second half what they did, but that that play by Von Bell to punch the ball free of Tyreek Hill, you know, the underrated play of the game. That's that's a total game changer if if they're down there at the five or wherever that was, the ten, and, and going down right before halftime. But what they did in the second half, I mean, it it felt like they were going to get blown out early in that game. And then they come back and only give up three points in the second half. And I, I went and I looked to see where that Chiefs second half performance ranked for the year. And there's there's four numbers that kind of stood out to me. The number of plays they ran, just 22. Number of yards they had in the second half, just 122. Three points, obviously, and the first downs. They had seven first downs in the second half. The plays was their lowest of the year. The yards, second lowest. Points, tied for second lowest. First downs, tied for third lowest. Now, that's that's this year. You look at Patrick Mahomes' career, where those ranked. Points, tied for the third lowest. Plays, tied for the fourth lowest. First downs, tied for the eighth lowest. And yards gained, eighth lowest. That was a... For a defense that has been maligned, especially a pass defensive side of it, that was, I mean, it was a division-clinching performance. As great as Burrow in the offense was, they don't get close to winning that game if the, the defense doesn't shut down the Chiefs the way they did in the second half. And, and I think Lou does deserve a lot of credit for that. And, and particularly, kind of, he, he talked about this, that zero blitz that they threw the, the Chiefs' very last play of the game, third and five. They're they're in the red zone, and he throws a zero blitz at him, and that's the last thing you want to do typically to Patrick Mahomes. And he said he was saving it all game for a big spot, and there was no bigger spot there. They flushed Mahomes out. He threw it away. We tried to make it was kind of a hope and a prayer type of throw, trying to get the receiver along the sideline, but it ended up being an incompletion out of bounds. They have to kick a field goal to tie the game with six oh one left. And then we know what happened after that, that the Bengals ran out the final 601. Mahomes never got another chance. And if if they don't dial up that blitz right there, who knows? Maybe maybe the Chiefs take the lead and, and the Bengals have to play out that whole final drive differently. I just I, I thought it was a really big spot. And we, we talk about Burrow's aggressiveness and Zach's aggressiveness, that that was Lou coming through with some aggression that paid off big time. I mean, Against the Chiefs, it feels like such an accomplishment to get to a third down, like right. to even have one. And it was like, okay, you ended up with so many spots in this game, especially in that first half, where it's like, okay, you got them in third and six, right? And it's just inevitably a complete easy completion to mm-hmm. Kelsey or Hill or something like that, and they just their drives just go down and and they eventually hit one on you. And in the second half, it was kind of the same way. It was like they converted some third downs, and then they get to that one, and you know, wow, massive play here, third, and you got them to a third down in the red zone, like game-defining play. And to have that, he said he you know, he knew exactly on second down he was going to do that if he got to the mm-hmm. third down here. And the fact that he did, I remember specifically watching because I 
called out before the play, like Kelsey here, because he ended up mm. sitting in a one-on-one, uh, and it was a man. Hey, it is a perfect spot. You hadn't heard a lot of Kelsey. They love him in the red zone. They had him in an advantageous matchup, and I just watched Kelsey. I didn't even watch Mahomes. I remember thinking, "What the hell happened?" Kelsey ran open like you thought he would. Like it's, mm. it was exactly what you thought it would be, and went and looked up, watched the replay. Lou won that one. You know, and you need you need your coach to win you one. You need your players to win you one. You need your quarterback to win you a bunch. That's how you got to find some way. Just that in special teams to win your son to beat the Chiefs, and that's how they did it. And it turned into a because of all that turned into a special day. And, you know, it's sort of like when we talked about what how are teams that win championships in this league recently constituted, right? It's it's elite offenses and points per drive, top eight in points per drive, elite offenses, and defenses don't have to be great. But for the most part, they got to be okay. They, you know, they usually rank somewhere in the middle. If they're, if they're really good, then that can be the difference between winning a Super Bowl and not. But to get to the Super Bowl, to be really make playoff runs, you just got to be okay. You got to be able to make a few plays. And that's kind of what the Bengals are right now. I mean, that's what Luana Room on this defense is, is they have their moments where they don't look great. They have their moments where they get thrown on. They have their moments where they make some some mistakes, but they are good enough to make enough plays to to allow the offense to to win you games when it plays like Burrow's playing right now. And I think that's the very that's the best thing you can think about when you think about where this team is at entering the postseason. And thinking about the postseason and how big that win was is a reason to think about. Hey, let's bring in Mo Egger. Let's see. Let's 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 see his thoughts on Sunday's massive win and more, and maybe something that will change American culture forever. Mo, how's it going? I am doing great, guys. How are you? Great, doing great. Jay, do you have some stats? Did did Mo rebound from a couple of down weeks over the holidays where he decided <laughs> to spend more time with his family than with his Twitter family? <laughs> Uh, no, he, he's still down in that uh, bottom range. He had fifty-five this week. Oh, really? I thought I, I thought I, wow, really? Yeah, this is disappointing. I, I thought I came up big because I, I felt like if you went to Dallas, you had to send tweets about being in Dallas. So I fulfilled that <laughs> obligation. I sent a couple during the Cotton Bowl. I sent a couple during the Bengals game. I sent a Happy New Year's tweet. I mean, r- really, I, I'm low. You're just, you're, you're just. You're really sluggish through the holidays. That's all it is. You're like a lot of us. You know, right. you're just you're new just year, new me, down. new Twitter feed. <laughs> oh, here we go. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people make New Year's resolutions to spend less time on Twitter, or on social yes. media. You're like, I need more. I got to get my numbers up. <laughs> right. I'm looking forward sure to the first and right. 10, mixing for two. Yeah. <laughs> just to, just just play by play of the entire Bengals game. In all caps, of course. <laughs> Uh, all right, I've got a few good ones for you. One, Bengals are related. Another one that is amongst your Dallas tweets that I found very enjoyable. Uh, I'll start with one, and I'm going to give you a chance. I'm just going to go ahead and give you a chance to pat yourself on the back. We don't always get, we only get credit and called out by old takes exposed for our bad tweets. <laughs> Where's good takes exposed? Like, that's what we need. Yes, you, exactly. It's all going to be good takes exposed for you. You said, patting your own self on the back at 4.15 p.m. on January 2nd, <laughs> just as someone said this morning on 102.7 WBN, 3431. Good guys won't say McPherson at the gun, but I want to. 
We'll try to process those last few minutes some other time. For now, I'm having fun. Still selling <laughs> shirts, Mo. I see you. Still selling shirts. Absolutely. You know, I mean, a lot of people got gift cards for Christmas, so go buy a shirt at cincyshirts.com. So but no doubt you were there was no reason not to have fun, but good call. Good call on that one. So yeah, so for we do a show uh, uh at Tin Roof, uh down the street from PBS on um 1027 WEBN in the morning, and I was with Joe Walter, the former Bengal, and, and at the end of it, we have to do the the obligatory make a prediction, and I'll, I'll pull back the curtain just a little bit, right? So, I, you know, he makes his prediction, I make my prediction, and I Joe hates it when I talk about kickers. And so back go back to week one, I said McPherson at the gun, which, you know, they won in overtime, so, you know, they, they, beat, they beat the Vikings, McPherson at the gun, I guess. Wasn't overtime. I don't know. It's so long ago. But anyway, McPherson at the gun. Yeah. So uh, I said 34 31, good guys. I'm not going to say McPherson at the gun because you'll get mad at me, but that's what I think is going to happen. Now, here's the thing about events like that it's uh, about 11 20 in the morning. People have been drinking for a couple of hours. It is a festive bar filled with Bengals fans. Even if you don't think the home team is going to win, your prediction in that moment is going to be that the home team is going to win. (laughs) (laughs) So I would love to tell you that I believed it with every fiber of my being. That's not entirely true, but I certainly thought that they could win the game, but if they did, it just felt like it's going to be close. And if it's close, it can come down to a field goal and nobody likes to say, yeah, McPherson's going to connect with 325 to go and then they're going to get a stop in the final you know couple minutes of the game <laughs> it's more fun to say McPherson at the gun so i did say 3431 and i did sort of intimate that it would be McPherson at the gun um unfortunately there is no audio record of this for reasons that uh, they'll get mad at me if i go into but uh for those who were there i did say it and i got a rousing ovation when i did i'm sure you did i'm sure you did what um but though to to I mean to pile onto this, how what how would you rank would you rank this as where does this rank for you as greatest Bengals moments? I mean, as far as you know, the the atmosphere, the impact, the what it what it kind of means in the big picture from having kind of experienced it out there. I think it might be my favorite Bengals win of all time. Yeah. I mean, I, I for a lot of different reasons. I think Jamar Chase played the best game I've ever seen a wide receiver play. And I've seen receivers have more receiving yards and I've seen, I've seen receivers have more catches and score more touchdowns, but the degree of difficulty and the times in the game in which he made his catches, that is the best game I've ever seen a wide receiver play. Um, What it did to sort of catapult Joe Burrow into at least the fringes of the MVP discussion, Um, what it meant um, the, the, and then, just the weirdness of those last couple of minutes. And it's funny, Tony Pike and I were talking about this on our show on, on Monday that like all the crazy stuff that happened at the end of the game. Oh, and by the way, Joe Burrow for a second, I'm like, Oh, so this would be the most Bengal thing ever. Mm -hmm. Uh, They somehow blow this Burrow gets hurt. They lose the game and it's going to be purely misery here for God knows how long. Um, The, just sort of coaching along with Zach as they're trying to score, but not trying to score. And then yelling as I think Brandon Allen is going to like take a knee instead of spiking the ball, Um, trying to sort of compute the odds of, well, if they go for it and they score, is that better than kicking the field goal and giving the ball back to all that stuff? 
And then the clock hits zero, the kick goes through, and this release of emotion and excitement and the fact that they did it, that would have been an incredible game in late September. And those would have been remarkable individual performances in any game. But the fact that the game unfolded the way it did against the opponent that the Bengals played with what was on the line and all the stuff that went into it, that's one of the craziest and most interesting and best sporting events I've ever watched. Uh, And to wrap your brain around everything took some time. I mean, I sat down um, Sunday night after the game just to sort of kind of plot out the radio show going, okay, well, here's all the different things we have to talk about. Here's all the different things we have to, all the angles we have to explore. And there were so many of them, but it, it just, it was as cokey as this sounds. It was like the most innocent Bengals moment in 16 years where there, there really does just seem to be this um, cynicism, free uh, love of this team. And I know there's a lot of people who are still hesitant to sort of wrap their, their arms emotionally around this franchise, but I don't think any of those, <clears throat> excuse me, Andy Dalton, AJ green teams had, this just warm embrace from the entire fan base and city, the way this team does, the way people have gravitated toward it and take that from where we were two years ago. It's awesome. And to watch it unfold the way it did on Sunday was incredible. I mean, it really is as sort of, again, corny as it sounds, it was awesome. That's, that might be, it's funny because I, I said on Twitter last week in the aftermath of John Madden's passing, and I've spent like the last six days going down John Madden wormholes on TV because he was a voice of my youth. He called my favorite Bengals game ever. Him and Pat Summerall, 1988, they beat the Redskins. Uh, week 16, clinch uh, home field advantage in the AFC. It was my favorite Bengals victory of all time. I think it's been replaced by what happened on Sunday. Yeah, everybody focuses on that celebration at, you know, when he, when McPherson hit the field goal and Paul's got the great story up right now on, on how the Bengals celebrated the win. But I'm curious, Jesse Bates said something yesterday that I found funny and kind of telling that he basically thanked the fans for not booing when it was four, <laughs> when it was 14 nothing. Yeah. I, I mean, what was the mood in the stadium at that time? Was was it kind of a resignation that, yep, this is what we thought was going to happen? Or what did it feel like there was still belief? So full disclosure, I was not at the game. Uh, okay. So, and for me, it was, I'd gone to Dallas. We got in Saturday night, had to work Saturday night because of basketball. Uh, the, the guy that I go to games with was not going to be able to go. And so we gave our tickets away. And um, there's a part of me that really regrets that. Um, there's a part of me that it re- doesn't regret not having to thaw out. But I, I, watching it on TV at home, I, I badly wanted to be there. But what I can tell you is this, among my circle of friends, when it was 14 to nothing, the texts were not fun. <laughs> uh, and, 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 you know, I mean, go back early in the game. And in fact, leading up to the Cotton Bowl, I think I told people what I'm really worried about is Alabama's up 14 nothing. The Bearcats have had the ball twice. They haven't done anything with it. And this gets out of control early. That game on Sunday felt like it was on the verge of that happening. And so mm-hmm. then Jamar Chase makes a play. Um, so I, I can't speak to really what the mood was like in the stadium, but just f- for me watching at home and talking with the people that I usually talk about the Bengals with and, and go to games with and watch games with um, there was a sense of, yep, this in early in the game. Yep. This is what happens. Yep. This is what happens with the Bengals and, and sort of a lifetime of 
build up and then the the rug being pulled out from underneath is sort of lead you, I guess, to to feeling that way. But um, it, when when the game ended the way it did, I I badly wish I had 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 been there. But watching it all unfold the way it did was really cool. Well, the one you know the thing that I discussed a little bit yesterday on the live room Q and A, and I just think is really important for the state of this franchise beyond just playing football on the field was really, you know, they could only as an organization, as a front office, as Elizabeth Blackburn go so far that, you know, you could only do so much ring of honor, new uniforms, uh, ruler of the jungle game day, social media Mm -hmm. that could only go so far. They knew that they could just try to get it to the point where if the team was good, it would all come together as a full product. But they would always be a joke. They would always be disconnected from the city. They would never truly get everybody back. It would never really feel like the mid-2000s here unless the team had a game like this that made it feel like the mid-2000s. And and 03 Kansas City that people still talk about. Mm -hmm. The 05 team that people still talk about. Those things had to happen to make what they did before matter. And Sunday, they had done it a little bit. And they had made this, you mentioned, likable, a team that the city really embraces and puts their arms around. They had done that in spurts. But Sunday completed the circle. So yeah. I and and you can tell me if you think I'm wrong judging by what you've you know heard as people have called in and you've done shows since then but like it feels like that regardless of what happens in the playoffs and I hate to even say that considering the drought but like I feel like completed the circle of connecting team back to city again. Yeah, I I I think I think they've won over a lot of holdovers. Um, and I, I've just, I've sensed that in the last month and a half that they've won over some people who just weren't buying in or who frankly didn't care about uniforms and rings of honor and okay, go win football games. Um, you know, <laughs> the, the thing about this that I, I keep coming back to is, and I, I know I said this about UC football this year is Joe Burrow and, by extension, this team have done something that just doesn't happen all that often. He's lived up to the hype, man. He's, he's, he's lived up to everything we thought he could be in the months leading up to the draft. When we were watching him play at LSU, those last two games in the college football playoffs, um, when we knew the Bengals were going to have the number one pick and we were drawn to obviously the way he was playing, but I think just, Equally as much, his attitude, his confidence, it's an overused word, but his swagger, just how this guy just appeared to be the, the sort of dude who could just change a franchise almost overnight. And he has. He, he's, he's done that. And, and by the way, he's done that despite suffering a debilitating injury. Um, that, that to me has been the best part. That, that to me has been, you know, I think we all thought when they drafted Joe, well, okay, they're going to be better and they'll probably have years in which they matter, but this has happened so quickly and it's happened with um, just such a, a turnaround in terms of, of the attitude of the team and the attitude that people have towards it. And 
I think that's been a big part of it, right? Because when they drafted him, I mean, I, I would still talk to people who are like, ah, oh, yeah, whatever. Okay. They'll, they'll screw him up. Well, they haven't, or he'll come here. He's not going to be as good as advertised. I mean, you know, you got that a few weeks ago when Justin Herbert played well here. I'll see they, Oh boy, I bet you wish they had Herbert. I'm like, well, not really. Um, that to me has been, that to me has been the best part. Um, and there've been a lot of best parts, I guess, but that to me has been something things don't live up to the hype the way this guy has things don't exceed expectations to the degree that this guy has. Um, and the fun part is it's just beginning. It's just starting. Like we're not talking about, you know, their chances in the playoffs and, Oh my God, the window is going to close like this. It feels like this is, this is our reality now moving forward games like that moments like that. Um, that is, I, I, I feel even an Oh five, you know, there, and I think we talked about this on a podcast a, a while ago, even in 05, as, as much as I love that team and as much as the city loved that team, I think there was sort of a sense, even at the end of the year, that this was sort of starting to unravel just a little bit. Like, did this team from a maturity standpoint really have what it takes? Is this, is this, is this really sustainable? Can this really work? I don't think anybody has a question about that right now. They're, they're going to, you know, encounter obstacles and it's you know at some point they're going to have to pay a bunch of these dudes and have to make some tough roster decisions and they've been lucky because of health and uh, you know I, I, money always changes the relationship that fans have with athletes and at some point Joe Burrow is probably going to make a half million bucks and that dynamics going to be interesting but like for now this this feels like it could last for a while and oh my god does has this city needed that and has this fan base needed it and so that's it's a long-winded answer to your question but uh, it's it, it's it's really really cool all I take away from all of this is the greatest, most impactful win in Paul Brown Stadium history, and Mo wasn't there. If they lose yeah. in the playoffs <laughs> and Mo's there, it's Mo's fault. So <laughs> for all the ones you've been there for, for you were you were the king of the litmus test of true mm-hmm. Bengal fandom, but you weren't you so, weren't there for that. So I do have one more for you that I do it, want to it pull was out. That, before. It, it was that, or maybe a divorce. And having yeah. gone through that once. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, I'll say this. Um, I got one more for you, and I want to get mm-hmm. chatted just because I, th- I think you, I think you might have started something that needs to become um, a part of American culture, and that is okay. this tweet. The hotel we are staying at in Dallas still has a Santa who's accepting <laughs> visits from kids. <laughs> I appreciate the accountability. If you had a crummy Christmas, Santa's giving you a chance to confront him. I love this idea. I think this needs to be absolutely a thing where it's just called confronting Santa or whatever. I don't know if to come with a catchy name for it, you know, but it's just he sits in the mall and it's just it's like an airing of the grievances. It's sort of like a festivist. You show up, you yell at Santa a little bit. Is anything more American today than today's America than than yelling at Santa for things not going the way you wanted them to? Well, you know, we're all, we all love accountability, right? Like, and, and that's, that's sort of a part of like what I do, like, uh, you do something and then, you know, your audience is going to call you out for it. You guys like accountable athletes, right? If a guy has a big game, he's going to talk. Well, if a guy has a, a crappy game, you want him to make himself available, right? So accountability is big. So I'm, I'm at this hotel, this ginormous hotel where they have this huge Christmas village a couple of days after Christmas. And I'm, I'm walking through it, just sort of getting the lay of the land. And I see a sign for Santa visits. And it's like Santa visits from like nine to six or something. And I'm like, well, well, what do you, what do you say to him? Right. Like, and so then I'm, I'm thinking, well, this is a great opportunity 
if you didn't get what you were looking for, now you can sit on Santa's lap and call him out. Right. Yeah. And <laughs> so like, out. you know, just, Hey, and if you're a parent, you can just shove him off on Santa and go, oh, ask him, see what happened. Maybe you weren't so good this year. <laughs> Who knows? You know, the supply chain, then maybe the Santa can explain how that's working right now. I love the accountability and I want this to be a thing moving forward where if you had a crummy Christmas, Santa's now got to sit there and answer some tough questions. And look, as a kid, you might get some tough answers. Look, the reality is this kid. Okay. In June, you were awful. And I didn't forget. You might've been really good in, <laughs> in December, but you had a crappy summer. You're very good. Let's hear parents or, Hey, remember Mark when you got a couple of C's? Yeah, that's not going to cut it. We need to do better. Like this is a great opportunity for the kid. It's a great opportunity for the parents. And ultimately it shows a degree of accountability from Santa that I think is, is long overdue. I really like the idea of Santa with like a series of graphs <laughs> highlighting supply, the, like where the supply chain is having issues between yeah. the North Pole and like how his Christmas magic is sort of kind of rendered useless against this particular issue here in like, you know, the, the this region of Iceland or something like that. Like, right. I really like the idea of there being many graphs involved I, I every kid shows up. I envision like a Gary Barta because I would watch the college yeah. football playoff <laughs> rankings every two. Tuesday, and then the panelists would always have issues with it. And then this dude would have to come out and they would just like lob insults at him and throw questions at him. I kind of like that idea of, all right, here's Santa. Here's a bunch of kids who didn't get what they want. And now they're just like firing away at Santa and he's got to answer for it. And you might not like the answers you're going to get, but at least he's got to provide some answers. I am 100% here for this. This needs to be a new Christmas tradition. A couple of days yeah. after Christmas, Santa makes himself available, right? If, Zach, makes available. If, if it didn't work out late in the game on Sunday, where now they screwed up and the Chiefs win the game, Zach Taylor's got to answer questions from you guys, right? Well, here's what I was yeah, thinking. I mean, look, here's why look, it went Santa, wrong. You, you made an audible over Europe, and uh, right. and, and all the next thing you know, all of Russia goes without gifts. Sure, yeah, Kids hey. are waking up without gifts because you decided that there was too much cloud cover, and you didn't think you could get through it. Or, I mean, what, what what went into that decision? You sit there, hey, Santa, three weeks ago, I showed up at Bass Pro Shop or the, the mall or whatever, <laughs> and I sat on your lap, and I said, I want this and this, and I got neither. What gives? And now Santa's got to tell you. I, I think this is, I appreciate it, Santa it. doing that this year. I love it. Santa accountability holiday. That's what, that's what we all need. If, you, if you're if you listening to this and you could think of a good name, a nice catchy name for this holiday, send it to us and we'll ruminate over it and maybe we'll have the uh, the name for it. Because if I think we get a good name, this could really catch just, on. You know, nothing just feels more at the core of American culture than that right now than what that would be. And I think we might, I think you might have stumbled into something. I think it's just all. a so post-holiday availability. I mean, that's, that's what it is, right? <laughs> <laughs> love it. All right, Mo. Uh, we will... Uh, we will have you back uh, next week, and we'll be talking about the playoffs. The playoffs. Very yes, exciting. I can't wait. And 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 my 400 tweets I'm going to send this week. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> get, back, get back in business. Don't go. Thanks, Mike. I got to count these. I, 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 yeah, I'll, I will, I will load up. It'll be great. It'll be just, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to like live tweet my day just for you guys. Uh, I love it. I love it. See you later. I see you Thanks, guys. Mo. Thanks. All right. Always great to catch up with Mo and look. I'm I'm not going to say it anymore. I think I think we fixed, we we have really tied the true bow on on American Christmas. You know, until that catches on, I, I've got a tip for you and Mo as as and anybody listening that's a a father or a parent of young children. I did this all the time when my kids were growing up because what's the whole thing? You know, he sees you when he when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. All that Santa's always watching, right? If 
It was December and my kids acted up. I would look to the ceiling and I'd be like, Santa, you seeing this? Cross another toy off the list. <laughs> it works. They they snap right into gear. They believe that there's getting they're gonna lose a toy every time they act up. So just a little tip for you guys out there with kids. <laughs> oh, just the constant judgment from above. I like it. Uh all right. Speaking of judging, it's time to judge the growler bets. And uh, what broke down from this past weekend? We only went two prongs against the Chiefs. You had to hit the number of Bengals turnovers in the game and then guess the difference in yards per attempt between Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes. Many of you guessed. And it was zero turnovers, which only a few of you optimists are out there. We're going to highlight the most optimistic of the group here. And I got to say, Jay, there was there were some very interesting guesses. Our guy Tony on Twitter said no turnovers. The difference between Joe Burrow and, and Patrick Mahomes ended up being exactly 4.0 yards per attempt at 11.4 to 7.4. 11.4, good God. <laughs> and the difference was four. So Tony said no turnovers. It got him in the game. It got him in the building. 4.2. So close. So close. It's still, it's a remarkable guess. An incredible guess. To to have, not to be, just being close is one thing, but to say Joe Burrow is going to throw for 4.2 more than Patrick Mahomes was a really, a ballsy guess. And that I saw that one, and I was like, "Oh, he 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 put this in on Monday. He 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 put his guess in after the game. There's no way anybody would have come that close on the, both of those were kind of long shot numbers." And I went and I looked, and he his guess came at one o'clock Sunday, right at kickoff. <laughs> I mean, he was the last one to get a guess in, and he was the closest one to to getting it right. It was I. Uh, I'm almost tempted to I'll go out of no. pocket. <laughs> no, no. You want to set the precedent? No. Uh, the shout out's good enough, I guess. But shout it was- out. No, we're not giving away beer for so close, Jay. <laughs> right. I have another I have another one though. Ryan Tacolvi. Yep. Misplaced decimal. Misplaced <laughs> decimal. <laughs> Zero turnovers and burrow at point four instead of four point. All you had to do was get one typo, <laughs> one little tiny decimal point in the wrong spot, and it could have been yours instead. So close, which we are not setting any kind of ridiculous, what a terrible way to start the new year, the idea we're just going to give away beer, it's so close. <laughs> having a thought like that. Not just any so close, but that one was particularly impressive, but the, the the more important thing here is I could have clinched the growler bet title. Well, I don't know if we're gonna if we're gonna roll into the playoffs. I guess I could have clinched the regular season title. Um, however, you got it. We both said two turnovers, so that one was kind of a wash. But you had Burrow outperforming Mahomes by one point three. I had Mahomes by two point two. So you narrowed the gap. I was leading seven to five. It is now seven to six with a few ties in there. So one game left, you have a chance to draw even, or I can clinch it in Cleveland. 
send it into the playoffs, though. So we'll, we'll yes. see. Um, run past your boot. What's our run past your boot like from last week? So it was this was your idea, and it was what will the game result be? Will it be Bengals win, Bengals cover, or Bengals lose by nine or more? Um, we both booted win, so we, we we both lost that one. I guess technically you get the win there because you, you ran with cover. I ran with a nine-plus loss, so you were you were more on track as far as that goes. But it was only the second time this year that we both booted the actual winning answer. How about that? That's that's how surprising it was. Um, so we're – we're we're moving forward in that. I'm looking forward to potentially taking the Growler Bet Championship here, and I think um, we'll see. We're, we'll we'll also have some fun stuff I think planned as we head into the playoffs to uh, potentially spice up uh, some of our actions as we go forward. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, all right, is that that's about wrapped us up? Unless I'm leaving something off the list here, Jay. I don't think you are. All right, we check every come. box. Uh, much like the Bengals thus far in the regular season have checked off about every box that that you could want. So we will wrap it up. We'll be back on Thursday with more of a preview of Sunday's game against the Browns and uh, more of, of where this team is going as we get more of a focus on the playoffs. So many more things coming your way. Looking forward to doing all of them. Thanks everyone for listening. We will talk to you next time. Again, the podcast. Right?